Well, that was fun. Who, who's a big fan of Christmas carols? Okay, we have some big fans in here. I know usually I'm actually on the opposite end. I don't know if any of you, but it'll be Christmas time in church. I'm like, oh, I have to do Christmas carols because I love worship songs. And sometimes, yeah, I don't know. But I really enjoyed that. I really, and it's not just because I'm married to Jared, but I really did enjoy that, I promise. So when you came in, I should have received a puzzle piece. Does everyone have a puzzle piece? Okay, raise your hand right now if you don't have one. If you didn't get one coming in, I'm going to have an usher come around, make sure everybody gets one. Just stick your hand in the air. Anyone? Oh, okay, we got one over here. Anyone else? Anyone? A couple over here. Okay, just keep those in the air until you get them so that they can see right over here and get you some puzzle pieces. All right, hold on to these. Um, Yeah, right over here. Right that way, that corner. Keep your hands in the air. Okay. We're going to get to those in a few minutes, but at first, just hold on to them. Now, we've started talking about hope, the thrill of hope. And just like the song, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Now, I'm not a singer, okay? I leave that to him. That's not me. But I love it because the weary world rejoices. When we're tired, when we're just worn down, we need that hope, right? That's how, that's how we rejoice is because we know we have that hope. And Pastor Dan gave an excellent message last week talking about hope, talking about why we need hope. And you could check that out at mysummit.church if you missed it. Oh, man, I thought these earrings weren't going to get it. I really did. I went shorter this time and everything. Oh, I think it's kind of taped. That's weird. But I hear it clicking already. Man, that's okay. This is just a habit. I just won't wear them anymore. I like earrings. I don't do studs. Okay, okay, okay. So anyway, you could check that out. It uh, was an excellent start to why we need hope. But first, I want us to pray together. I want us to get into the right heart, the right mind frame to start and to receive God's word. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time that we have together to focus on you to hear your word, to be encouraged, to have hope when sometimes it doesn't feel like we have any or to be encouraged when we, life is going okay, God. And I pray that you help us to hear your word and to walk away um, and have it impact our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now we're gonna start off a little bit different. We're actually gonna start off with our notes. So you can pull up the app, the My Summit app. You can grab your notes out of the bulletin. The very first thing I wanted to say, I wanted to share that today, um, Sometimes I let my situations cast a shadow on my life and I forget to live in hope. So you could throw that up there. Sometimes I let my situations cast a shadow on my life and I forget to live in hope. And I'm going to tell you a little story about what I mean by that. So when I was 19 years old, I got a job at Starbucks. And if you know me, I'm a coffee snob and I don't drink Starbucks now. But I did work there. So I have a good reason. Like I know I did work there. Um, do you guys remember your first jobs? Yeah, this wasn't my first job. This was my third job. My first job was when I was 15. I started working at Country Club Lanes at the bowling alley in Sacramento. I worked there on and off for five years as a hostess for birthday parties. I worked in the laser tag. Um, I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. 
And then at 17, I went to cosmetology school, graduated from that at 18 and got licensed. And at 19, I was building up my clientele in the salon and I needed a second job. By needed, I mean I wanted it, it's disposable income, and who doesn't want more money, right? So I got a job at Starbucks. And up until that point, I had a pretty good time working at jobs. I enjoyed working. My mom raised me with an excellent work ethic where um, you come in and you do your job, you do what you're supposed to do, you get it done. And I typically had a good relationship with my bosses. And then I worked at Starbucks. Now, the first six months I worked there, it was great. It was a lot of fun. We used to like make up songs. My, you know, people make the job a good thing, right? So I had my, um, the employees with me and we made up songs. We had the milk jugs and we'd make up like exercises with the milk jugs and we'd make up songs like a song about the, Ber the Barry Stella. Um, it was a lot of fun. And then six to eight months into it, I, oh, and I opened. I was there at 4.30 in the morning. I had to wake up at like 3.50 just to get ready and get there on time. So you need good people that you work with then, right? So it was fine, and our sh my shift lead was amazing because she was like a mom to all of us. We all loved her, but then she shifts schedules, and now we had a new shift lead. This new shift lead comes in from day one. I cannot tell you why. She just did not like me. From the very first day, she didn't like me. She didn't like the way I talked. She didn't like the way I talked to customers, the words that I said. She didn't like how fast I put together the pastry cases. She got, yeah, right? She got to the point where she was actually timing me how fast it took for me to put the pastries in the pastry case. And at 4.30 in the morning, this stressed me out. This started to cast a shadow on my life, and it sounds dramatic, but I was 19, so I was a little bit more dramatic than I am now. Um, but also, it, it was frustrating, you know? Um, I didn't work any slower than anyone else that I worked with. I didn't. I worked just as fast. I did the pastry case just as fast. I used the same kind of language. We're taught in what kind of language to use. Um, I, I did all of this stuff, but she didn't like me for whatever reason. And I became very, very stressed out. I became very anxious. I started asking the other employees, why is she treating me like this? Do you have any idea why? Do you know why? And I started kind of talking about her more. Um, and it really affected my life and it affected how I was thinking, how I was feeling. And then the six month, um, the six month review came between me and the manager and the shift lead. Now, I'd only worked with the manager maybe one shift, so maybe six hours of my whole time. Okay, this is not my earring, so this is my hair or something. I don't know, I'm doing something. I'll try not to move, I'll do it like this. Um, <laughs> I won't do that. Um, Anyways, so it was time for my review, for my six-month review. Okay. What is it? I'm, okay. I'm over it. I'm over it. We all over it? Okay, we're over it. Okay, so um, it's time for my review, and I've only worked with my manager one time, one shift before. She didn't know me well. She only knew me through the experience of the shift lead. A couple minutes into it, they just start shredding my performance apart. And I'm just sitting there, I'm 19 years old, and I'm like starting to cry. And I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm frustrated. I'm crying because I'm angry. Do I have any of those out there? Anyone else? Thank you, my people. Those are my people right there with your hands up. I hate it, I hate it so much because they're like, I'm not weak, I'm not weak right now, I'm not weak. And you're, and you're just sitting there crying and they're just shredding you apart. Hello, okay. 
<laughs> That's better. Okay. And they're tearing me apart, and I'm sitting there. And at that moment, I knew all I could do, the only thing that I could do is try to hold it together. I could just try to hold it together because I, I didn't want to cry in front of them, and I knew that my manager would not believe me because she didn't know me. She didn't have a relationship with me. Then, after that performance review, for whatever reason, the shift lead started being nice to me. I can't tell you why. She's like, oh, she got a talking to. So now you want to come to my Christmas party? And she started inviting me places. It was really strange. But that happens sometimes because these situations that we go through in life can really affect us in different areas. They can pop up insecurities and anxiety and different things like that. I let my circumstances cast a shadow on my life. So take out the puzzle piece. You see it? Hold it in front of you. This is your circumstance. This is your situation. When a situation pops up, often it's right in front of our face. Our emotions flare. We get defensive. All of that kind of stuff happens. And it's like this. So if you close one eye and you put it in front of you, everyone do this. Close your eye. Put the puzzle piece in front of your eye. What can you see? I could see the puzzle. I could see lights around a little bit. I see some people, but that's it. Now, if you hold it back and you look at it, that's different, huh? You could see a lot more. This is our situation. And when something pops up, it goes right in front of our eyes, right in front of our faces. Maybe like you, you're facing a situation at work where it feels unfair, where you feel frustrated. Or you just finished finals last week. I know some people finished finals and you feel like you didn't do as well as you hoped you would do. Or maybe you have kids and your kids are faced with some hard choices, some hard decisions. Life has just kind of hit them and you can't do a lot about it. And I mean, my kids are young. I don't even want to think when my girls start dating. I do not want to think about that at all. Don't want to go there. But I'm just thinking about the social situations. Now, when Leland was little, my firstborn, new mom, I go to play places. He goes to play places with me, and sometimes he's playing with kids, makes friends, has fun. And then other times, the kids won't play with him. This broke my mama heart. I was, I was like, he's a good kid. I'm not telling them, but I'm like, he's such a good kid. He's a nice boy. Sure, he's a little intense and follows you everywhere, but he's really sweet. I promise he's a good kid. Um, and it would break my heart, and I couldn't do anything about it. And our situations sometimes feel like that, where it feels like helpless. Or maybe... You've been lonely. Maybe you've been struggling to find that friend group that you really just need, those solid people that are there for you. I know I've been there multiple times in my life, and it feels lonely, and you desire that. Or uh, maybe you just got in a fight with your spouse, or maybe fights have just been happening more and more and more frequently, and it's casting the shadow over your life. Or maybe you went to the doctors and you got a diagnosis that you weren't expecting. Or maybe you have chronic pain. All of us have situations, all of us have circumstances that pop up and they're capable of casting shadows on our life. They usually do at first, but then we have to look to something more, right? Amen. So, fortunately for us, we have some great examples in the Bible, particularly of men and women who have dealt with situations like this. They've dealt with physical situations, with family, with, um, with work, with all of that kind of stuff. So we're gonna kind of look at some of that today. So we're gonna do the second fill-in here. So can we pop that up? 
Remember before, sometimes I let the situation cast shadows on my life. And now the Bible teaches us that God's ultimate plan, his ultimate plan, we can have hope because his ultimate plan is greater than our circumstances. His ultimate plan is greater than our circumstances, right? The big picture. You've probably noticed in the Bible that sometimes they compare something good against something that is bad. You might see good versus evil, light versus dark, flesh versus, um, flesh versus, (laughs) spirit, thank you. I'm like, this is my head, flesh versus spirit, one against the other. But sometimes they actually compare things that are good versus things that are better. And sometimes, a lot of times for me, I fall into the good thing rather than having the better response. And we're going to do that today. We're going to open up to Luke. You can pull out your Bibles. You can look at your notes. Uh, Luke chapter, chapter 1, we're looking at the stories of Zechariah and the story of Mary. Okay, so let's, let's look at Zechariah. Zechariah, a little bit about him. Zechariah was married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was Jesus' cousin. They were older in age, and they had no kids. She was considered to be barren. Zechariah was a priest. Zechariah, so he was pretty high social status, social standing, and currently they were in Jerusalem. He was in the temple, and there were thousands of priests. So for him to be able to be in the temple and doing this special service that he was doing, it's probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He gets this really, really cool opportunity to go into the temple. And we're going to see what happens. So throw the verse up for us. Luke 1, 11 through 13. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will, be, will give you a son, and you're to name him John. So Zechariah is actually a pretty good guy. He was considered, him and Elizabeth were righteous before the Lord. They were blameless before the Lord. And then he was met with the circumstance that popped up. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in the temple, which is not supposed to happen, right? But it happened. Um, It's supposed to be where God's spirit was at that point, right? And the angel said, you will have a son. And this is his situation. His whole life, he's hoping to have kids, And he doesn't have any in his situations right here. Let's see what his response is. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I can't do that. AKA, give me proof. I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Zechariah had his situation right here. It was right in front of his eye. He couldn't see the bigger picture. He's saying, how how am I supposed to believe that this is actually going to happen? Because I've lived all of these years. I have no one to pass anything down to. And I've been praying for this and hoping for this. And nothing's happened. How am I supposed to believe you? I want to see proof. 
It makes me think of uh, the, the angel's response there is kind of funny to me. It makes me think of Stanley from The Office. And have you ever seen the did you stutter meme? Did I stutter? Did you, have you, put, pop that up. Gabriel, you and your wife will have a son, Zechariah. But Gabriel, did I stutter? That's what, <laughs> he's like, you're gonna have a son, okay? And then we get to Mary. Mary, who ends up being the mother of Jesus, she was a woman She was probably in her mid-teens. She was unmarried. She was from a lowly little village in Galilee. All of these things point to her to be lower status, point to her being um, inadequate. Like, she's just just there. She's like, that's nothing compared to Zechariah. Women were lower status, being unmarried, being a teenager. All of these things point to her having nothing, being insignificant. And let's see what happens to her. So let's read about her. Just 10 verses later, when the angel of the Lord came to her, he said, rejoice, favored one. Favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, do not be afraid, Mary. This is God honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. Mary, her response, her initial, her initial response was confusion. Remember Zechariah's initial response? His was fear. He was very scared. She was confused. Okay, why am I favored one? This doesn't make sense why I'm favored. I'm nobody. I'm literally nobody. So then we're going to read what her reaction was. or That was her reaction. We're going to read what her response was. Then Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? Kind of an important thing. Then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Everyone say this with me. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let me, let it be with me just as you have also said. Then the angel left her. Her response was a little bit different. She was confused. Confusion, not understanding our situation, is not the same thing as disbelief. Not believing that this could happen. Zechariah, a good person, met this with disbelief. Mary, who was a good person, but she had no social status, nothing at all, she met it with confusion. But what was her response? Here I am, Lord. All right, let it be just as you have said. She wasn't married. People were going to talk about her. Her situation didn't look great. But at the same time, when the angel of the Lord comes to you and says that you're going to have God's son, okay, I'm just going to, I trust in your plan, God. All right. So now we're going to do something. Even in her unlikely situation, she trusted God. I'm going to have you take your puzzle piece and look around you. Everyone put, kind of put your puzzle pieces together, get in little groups, and see what you can look at. Like, try to figure out what's on there. Maybe you'll see more colors. Maybe there's shapes. Try to figure out what the picture is. What is the bigger picture? 
turn around, kind of see, put your puzzle pieces together. See if you could figure out anything. Can anyone figure out anything? Okay, did, did anyone out there? Has anyone figured out anything? No? Okay, so if my guess is right, you might know some more colors, you might know some more shapes, but you probably can't figure out what the picture actually is. Even with friends, even bringing our situation to friends, we can't figure out what the bigger picture is alone, can we? So now we're going to get to the last, the last point here. Let's, uh, let's pull that. First, we have our circumstances that cast a shadow on our lives, right? We forget and we lose hope in that. And then we know that God's ultimate plan is greater than our circumstances. And the third one here is we need to respond to the unexpected with faith like Mary, trusting in God's ultimate plan. We need to respond to the unexpected in our lives with faith like Mary, trusting in God's ultimate plan. Eight days after Jesus was born, he went to the temple and he was there to be dedicated. And when he was there, um, Mary and Joseph met a man named Simeon. And Simeon worked in the temple. He was waiting for the Messiah to come. God revealed to him that he was going to be alive and that he, was, he wasn't going to die until the Messiah came. The one who's supposed to lift up Israel, who's supposed to set people free. And we're going we're gonna to read what happened when Simeon met Jesus at the temple. So throw that up. Now, master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It is a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, the people who were not a part of Israel, like us, and a glory for your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said to him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, now listen to this. This boy is assigned to be the cause of falling and rising of many in Israel. Not what I'd want to hear about my son, but okay. And to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. Again, not exactly what I'd want for my son. And a sword will pierce your innermost being too. This is Mary. A sword is going to pierce her innermost being. And throughout Mary's story, throughout her life, in every situation, if you look at those passages, she is a faithful servant, a faithful disciple. She follows God. She follows her son, Jesus. She's, she just goes with it. She doesn't understand the full plan. She is going to be hurt in this. Something's going to pierce her in this. She doesn't know what it is, but she's trusting God. She's having faith in God. Now I wanna look at this full picture here. So throw up the picture on the screen. This is the picture that you have, the puzzle. We each have a piece of it, our circumstances. They're a part of God's greater picture. The greater picture you could just leave this up here. 
the greater picture where Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He did not deserve death, but he took it on. Why? To give us hope. He knows God's ultimate plan. It is full redemption. We can be forgiven of our sins. We can have a relationship with God again that was broken because we've messed up and we can have one now. This earth isn't what it was meant to be. What did Jesus come to do? He came to restore it. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. There will be no more sadness, no more crying. This is the bigger picture. This is the bigger picture. Our circumstances in light of this bigger picture. We have to have faith in God. We may not know why this is the way it is. It may feel like it's right here, but we have to put it back. We have to look at the bigger picture. We have to trust in God and have faith like Mary did. Because we know that Jesus is restoring all things. He's restoring it in us. We see it in our own lives. He's restoring our family, our community, this church, and he's using us to do it. The Holy Spirit in us. We've been having these hope trees, these little, little things that we can do to just bring a little bit of that bigger picture of that restored world and give it to somebody else. So let's all go out there and let's live in light of this and not in light of this, okay? Take it back and live in light of God's full picture. Go bring hope to the world. Go bring hope to this community, to your life, to your family. Let's all pray together. There might be someone in here who wants this hope so desperately. And I'm telling you right now that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins if you believe in him. If you put your faith in him, if you put your trust in him, he will forgive you of your sins and you can have this everlasting life where there's the new heaven and new earth and all the sickness and death, and that's going to happen. And if that's you today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, you're ready, you're ready to live in that hope. You need it so bad in your life right now. I want you to just slip up your hand. Okay, I see those hands. I see those hands. Okay, we're all gonna pray together as if we're all saying this together. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins I've made. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I believe in the hope that you bring to this world. I pray that God, you help me to live in the restored world. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna do one more prayer here. If you've been living with your circumstances and it's been too close to your face and you haven't been living in light of the bigger picture, I'm giving you an opportunity now to decide I'm gonna live in light of that bigger picture. So if that's you, slip up your hands. I need hope. I need to live in that hope. All right, all over. Lord Jesus, thank you so much 
for this opportunity to focus in on you, to focus in on your hope, to remember what you came to do and what you are doing. Help us to live in that this week in Jesus' name, amen.